Hi there, and welcome to Totally His Running the Race, a show enabling young men and women who want to grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm your host, Tim Harris, podcasting from EI School of Biblical Training in Greenville, South Carolina. Thanks for joining. We're about to listen to episode five of our 12-episode series. In today's episode, we're going to be hearing from Caleb Borisic, who has already shared in the series back in episode two, so I won't reintroduce him here. Caleb's going to be sharing about the fuel that is needed as we run this race. At one point in Jesus' ministry, a person asked him, what is the greatest commandment? Do you remember Jesus' response? He said it is to love God and to love others. What Jesus is saying is that our lives, the race that we're called to run, should be characterized by love. Again, love for God and love for others. But how do we love God and how do we love others? Well, that is what Caleb is going to be addressing in today's episode. Before we get into the episode, let's go ahead and commit our time to the Lord. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you speak through it, and I pray that you would speak into our hearts at this time. It's in your name we pray. Amen. We have been talking about running the race, and today we're going to look at the fuel for the race. What motivates us to run? But before we get into today's lesson, let's do a quick review. In the first episode, we heard about God, the uncreated one. He existed in a Trinitarian community of love before time and space. He was complete and in need of nothing. In episode two, we learned that the uncreated one created. And he did this in order to give himself away and put himself on display. We learned that God created us for a purpose. Our purpose is to receive and reflect the love of God. We also learned that God made us unique so that our reflection of Him would be unique. We are all individual brushstrokes that come together and paint a portrait of who God is to the world around us. In episodes 3 and 4, we learned that we have a choice to make. We can either say yes or no to our created purpose. We have been invited to bring our thirsty souls to God and receive the living water that He gives. But the invitation to the fountain of life also comes with a yoke. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. In other words, you can't drink from the fountain of life without submitting to the founder of life. You can't expect to receive the blessings of Eden without submitting to the king of Eden. Because of this, the thought of surrender can be scary. It can sound more like a threat than an invitation. But God's call to put myself under his authority is only a threat if I have my own plans for my life. However, if I have come to terms with the fact that I was created to receive and reflect the love of God, then the authority of God is not a threat at all. In fact, it's a gift. Think of a maze. There are many paths, but there's only one way out. If you were given a map that showed you the way to go, would you be upset that the map only highlights the one right path? 
I mean, it is true that if you submit yourself to this map, you will have to give up the opportunity to go down the wrong paths. But that doesn't seem like that much of a sacrifice, does it? A map that limits you to the one right path is not destroying your freedom. In fact, it's the very source of your freedom. And it's the same with God's authority. He made us in order to shower us with his love. And he wants to lead us in the paths of life. When we understand this, we see that we can only rebel against God's laws to our own peril. Rather than resisting his rules, we begin to love them and long for them because through them we are warned. And in keeping them, there is great reward. They're a lamp to our feet. They're a light to our path. They guide us and lead us into the abundant life that he came to give. This is why a young Christian named Augustine, who lived over 1,500 years ago, wrote that to be under the authority of Christ is to be truly free. I really hope that you have made the choice to surrender your life to God's authority. You can't run in the Boston Marathon without meeting certain qualifications. And in the same way, you can't run the race of the Christian life without surrendering to God's authority. This is the test of the runner. But it isn't the only test. The second test of the runner is love. But before we get into that, let's pray. Father, thank you that wherever uh, this audio is being heard, you are there. Thank you that you take your word into our hearts and change the way that we think and live. And so I'm trusting you to do that work of your spirit right now. And I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Loving God is the most important thing in the Christian life. Loving God is the most important thing in the Christian life. In fact, this is the first and greatest commandment. You remember there was somebody who came up to Jesus and said, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? He told them the greatest commandment is to love God. So today we're going to look at the importance of love for God the expression of love for God, and the source of love for God. The importance, the expression, and the source of love for God. Let's begin by looking at the importance of love for God. Let's say that you just started dating, and the person that you are dating does stuff for you all the time. They wash your car, they give you gifts, they buy you coffee... But you're not sure if they really love you. Eww. So one day, you just decide to ask. So-and-so, do you love me? In reply, your date says, Well, I do stuff for you all the time, don't I? So you say, Yeah, you, you do a lot of stuff for me, but do you like me? I mean, do you enjoy being with me? There's a long, painful pause. And finally, your date says, No, to be honest, I don't really enjoy being around you. 
In fact, now I guess is a good time to tell you that I'm I'm in love with someone else. But I did agree to date you, so we can keep going if you want to. You would be absolutely heartbroken. And there's no chance that you would continue dating that person. You didn't want them to do stuff for you. You wanted their love. You wanted their love, not just their service. And it's the same with God. God created us for relationship. He wants our love, not just our service. This is important because it is possible to serve God, quote, serve God, without loving Him. In Mark chapter 10, we read about a young guy who wanted to follow Jesus and was trying to figure out how to run the race of the Christian life. I'm going to start reading in Mark chapter 10, verse 17. As Jesus was setting out on his journey, a man ran up to him and knelt before him and asked, Good teacher, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't bear false witness, don't defraud. Honor your father and your mother. He said to him, Teacher, all of these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said, Man, you, you just lack one thing. Go sell all that you have, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Disheartened by the saying, this young man went away sorrowful because he had great possessions. Now before we go on, I want to mention a few things about this guy. He was wholehearted and sincere. Remember, he runs up to Jesus. He doesn't just casually walk up. He runs up and then he bows to the ground. He calls Jesus good. The other thing I notice is that he's extremely moral and obedient to God. Remember, Jesus searches the heart, and he called so many people out when they were thinking one thing and saying a different thing. But Jesus doesn't do that with this guy. When he says he's kept all of these commandments, Jesus doesn't say, you're lying. It's very likely that he had kept all of those commandments. He probably came from a good home. He probably went to meetings to hear God's word regularly. And he wants eternal life. What more could you ask for? We look at this guy and we say, man, he's a great Christian young man. This is the kind of guy that mothers are trying to get their daughters hooked up with. If he doesn't make the cut, who does? But people look at the outside. God looks at the heart. And so in order to determine the condition of this man's heart, Jesus gives him a test. And he does this for us too. The first thing that God will do when you decide to enter the race of the Christian life which I hope you have made that decision, 
He will point at your idols, and he will tell you to tear them down. An idol is anything that takes God's place in your heart, anything that you value as much or more than God. And there can't be two in first place. You can't have two greatest treasures. You can't play for two teams at the same time. There can't be two opposing kings in a kingdom. So God will not share the center of your life with something else. Everything else has to go if he's going to bring his order and peace to your life. So Jesus tells this young man, Go sell all that you have and give to the poor, then come follow me. And this is not a threat. This is an invitation. Eternal life and the opportunity to walk with Jesus. But the Bible says that this man walked away sad because he was very wealthy. He walked away. The scary thing is that that this young man, he looked so good on the outside. We would have expected that he would be one of the best followers of Jesus. He had kept a whole lot of outward commands, but Jesus lets him walk away. Jesus didn't follow him or try to change his mind. He let him walk away. Why? Because when it finally came down to the issue of love, he loved his stuff more than he loved God. And this just goes to show that you can keep a lot of commandments, but if you fail the first one, none of the other ones matter. Loving God is the most important thing in life. But in our culture, you can be considered a a Christian if you do certain other outward things. Maybe if you keep the rules, you've prayed the sinner's prayer, you're sincere, you come from a good home, you go to church regularly. But this story makes it clear that these are not the real issues. These things are important, but they won't get you to heaven. Christianity is an issue of the heart. The true follower of Jesus loves God more than anything else in the world. However, some people who are labeled as Christians have their hearts set on other things. For the young man in our story, it was money. For you, it might be a girlfriend or boyfriend, or the stuff that you want to have, or the successful career. Maybe you value what people think about you more than anything else. Maybe you really value those likes on Instagram. Maybe your heart is set on a dream of the life that you want to have. It's very easy to be deceived. It's very easy to think that you're following Jesus when you're really just living for yourself. It's very easy to think of yourself as a Christian when you just compare yourself to others. But the true test of Christianity takes place in the heart. And it has to do with what you value most. The truth is, it it doesn't matter how many times you have been to church, or what prayer you have prayed, or how good you look on the outside. If there are things that you value in this life more than God, 
then you're not actually in the race. You're running down the wrong path. I hope that it's clear to you at this point that love is the test of the runner. Obedience is not the test. Being a good person is not the test. Saying the sinner's prayer, going to church, reading your Bible, and sharing the gospel are all good things, but they can all be done without any love in your heart. I know this from personal experience. I did all of these things long before I had any love for God in my heart. But love is the issue. Love is what God is looking for. If God is speaking to your heart about something specific, if he's asking you to to deal with an idol in your heart, I would invite you to pause the podcast right now and talk to him about it. Love is what God is looking for. But how do we know whether or not we truly love God? Well, we've looked at the importance of love for God. Now we're going to look at the expression of love for God. How is true love for God expressed? It's possible to obey God without loving Him, but it is not possible to love God without obeying Him. It's possible to obey God without loving Him, but it is not possible to love God without obeying Him. Look at what Jesus says in, in John chapter 14, verse 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Then in John fifteen twelve, Jesus says, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. And finally, Jesus defines what he means by that. He says, Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Jesus is telling us that our love for him will be expressed in love for others. And not just any love, his kind of love. He put my needs above his own, and this is how he calls me to love others even my enemies. Wow. But this means we can't say we love God and at the same time treat others poorly. 1 John 4.20 tells us that if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. So it's a contradiction to talk to God and sing to Him about your love for Him and then go on to treat others poorly. This love, the kind of love that God calls us to, is a high calling. You might be thinking, I thought loving God just meant singing worship songs on Sunday. I didn't know that my love for Him would be measured by my love for my parents or siblings or boss, or co-workers, or even my enemies, how am I supposed to do that? 
Well, so far we have seen that loving God is the most important thing in life and that my love for him will be expressed through sacrificially serving the people around me. Now we're going to look at the source of this love. Where does this supernatural love come from? Well, think back to what we learned in episode two. We learned that our purpose is to receive and reflect the love of God. God is not asking us to love others with a love that we have not first received. In 1 John 4.19, it says, We love we love because God loved us first. We love because God loved us first. The source of our love for others is the love of God towards us. And Romans 5.8 tells us that God demonstrates his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What an amazing display of love. Jesus died for me when I was his enemy. He died for me when I wanted nothing to do with him. He died for me when I was set on going my own way and living for myself. That's an amazing love. And that love is both liberating and motivating. It's both liberating and motivating. I am liberated to meet the needs of others because Jesus has met my need. I don't have to focus on meeting my own needs anymore. He has already done that. So I'm liberated to meet the needs of others. But not only am I liberated, I'm also motivated because the love that he has loved me with is so great. It has to be shared. It's like when you taste some really good food. Uh, for me, one of my favorite things is cheesecake. You, you take a bite of cheesecake and you're like, oh man, that is so good. But your joy in that cheesecake is increased when you share it with somebody else. When you say, hey, Bob, take a taste of this cheesecake. It's delicious. And he takes a taste and you see his eyes brighten up. And now your joy is increased. God's love for me motivates my love for others. 1 John 4, 7 tells us that love is from God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God because God is love. What's being said here is that the ability to make sacrifices for the good of another at my own cost is so unnatural that this love can only come from God. God is the only possible source of self-giving love. The picture that I have in my head is this. God is like a fountain. He's the only source of the water of love, and he is abounding with it. It never runs out. It just keeps on coming. Man is like an empty garden hose. After Adam and Eve rebelled against God, uh, broke God's commands, mankind finds himself in this state of emptiness rather than abundance. Why? Because rebellion separates us from God. It cuts us off from the life 
giving love that He gives. It cuts us off from God Himself. And so we are empty. We are lonely. We are separated from the fountain that we were created to be connected to. Man is like an empty garden hose. If man comes to God with his thirst, he can be connected to the fountain and therefore extend the reach of the water of God's love to others who are thirsty. As the water of God's love flows through the garden hose of a person, it becomes obvious to all that the water is from the fountain of God because there is no other water source. In the same way, love is from God. It is impossible to love without being connected to the one source of self-giving love, God himself. So how do we get connected to the fountain of the love of God? Maybe you remember the verses that Mr. Nuremberg quoted in episode 3. Jesus said in John seven thirty seven and 38, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Bring your thirsty soul to him. You don't have to clean yourself up. You don't have to earn his love. It's a gift, freely given to every, every thirsty soul who comes to him. Maybe you're hearing this message and you know that you were created for more. You want to say yes to your God-given purpose to receive and reflect the love of God. You want to come to the fountain of the water of God's love, drink deeply, and then carry that love into the desert of the world. If that's you, I want to invite you to pray with me in a moment. John 1.12 says that to all who received Jesus, to those who believe in his name, God gave them the right to become his children. To receive Jesus is to make him the authority of your life. Remember, he made us so that he could pour out his love to us and through us to others. He's the only one who has the map through the maze of life. He's the only one who has the water of life, and he wants to give it to us. I thought that if I gave God control of my life, he would ruin it. But I got to a point in life when I realized that I was the one destroying my life. I finally gave up control to him, and he rescued me. My life was so empty before, but now it has purpose. To believe in the name of Jesus is to trust that he took the punishment that I deserve for my rebellion against my creator and that there is no punishment left for me. That separation that I deserve because of my rebellion, he will bridge. He'll bridge the gap between me and God and and bring me back to the fountain of the water of his love so that I can drink deeply and and then express that love to others. So he says, to all who receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God. If you are ready to receive and believe, please pray with me now. 
Father, I have been living for myself, and I don't deserve your forgiveness, but I'm asking for it. I need it. Thank you that Jesus has taken the punishment for every bad thing that I've ever done and ever will do. Thank you for your undeserved love for me. I want to live for you. I am getting out of the driver's seat. You take control. Make my life what you want it to be. Amen. If you just prayed that prayer with me from your heart, then God has heard your prayer and has answered you. You belong to him. And I would encourage you to tell another follower of Jesus, a follower of Jesus, what you have done and ask them to pray for you. Or you can text or call me. I would love to pray with you and talk to you about what to do next. My cell phone number is 585-533-7088. It's 585-533-7088. If you have given your life to Jesus in the past, but have found that your love for Him has grown weak, there are a couple verses that I would encourage you to study that will teach you how to nurture your love for God so that your so that his love can be expressed through you to others. Look at these verses. Jeremiah 2:13, John 15:9 through 12, Luke 7:36 through 48. And Psalm 103, 1 through 5. In conclusion, you were made to receive and reflect the love of God. Loving God is the most important thing in life. Love for God is a response to His love for you, and it is expressed through sacrificially meeting the needs of others. So come. Drink from the fountain of love and extend that love into the desert of the world. Thanks for listening to Totally His Running the Race. I trust you are encouraged as you seek to grow in your relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. If you'd like to listen to more messages that will be an encouragement in your walk with the Lord, go to the school's website, www.eibibleschool.org, and click on the Resources tab that's at the top of the page, and then you can select the audio library in the drop-down. Training students to develop a passionate relationship with Jesus Christ that expresses itself in a life devoted to the advancement of God's kingdom is why EI School of Biblical Training exists. We offer a two-year unaccredited associate's degree where students attend classes, hear the Word of God taught, study the Word, and are encouraged to develop their relationship with the Lord. Our classes are designed to be both intellectually challenging and heart-searching. Some stay on for a third year and work towards getting a bachelor's degree. If you'd like to find out more about the school, visit our website, www.eibibleschool.org. Again, that's www.eibibleschool.org.